Welcome to Equosity, the podcast about all things equine, with a special emphasis on the horse-human bond. My name is Alexandra Kurland. I'm the author of Clicker Training for Your Horse and other books and DVDs on clicker training. And I'm joined by Dominique Day, one of the co-founders of Cavalia. And today we're also joined, it's a really great treat, we're joined by another of my Click That Teaches coaches. We're joined by Mary Concannon, who's uh, originally from Ireland, but now currently living in the UK. So welcome, Mary. This is, this is going to be fun having you in the podcast. Thank you. Delighted to be here. Yes. You know, as I was driving from the barn, I was thinking about, so how long have we known one another and how did we meet? And it occurred to me that we met because when you were trying to place an order in the very early on, you were trying to order a couple of the DVDs and my website shopping cart was rejecting your address because the uh, the postal cord right. for us postal code for Ireland is all zeros and for some reason my <clears throat> the the computer software could not cope with a, a country code that was all zeros and so we had this exchange of emails back and forth trying to figure out how to get it was probably clicker training for your horse at that stage and the first couple of DVDs yeah yes I think it was and then you... It, they weren't even DVDs, They were VHS. Alex. I still have them, the, ah, the VHS yes. tapes. So we have known each other a long time then. <laughs> yes, indeed we have. We have. And then you, st- you, you uh, went to the clinics that I did at Fiona Dean's was in the Midlands. Yeah. Those are fun clinics. They were. And rather arrogantly, because I had already had your books for quite a time, and I had looked at some of the DVDs, uh, you were doing a two-day beginner, followed immediately by a three-day advanced. And of course, I said, oh, well, that I clinic. the beginner <laughs> went to the advanced three days and then discovered it would have been really great to have gone to all five days. But anyway, I really enjoyed those three days and I was hooked before, but doubly hooked at that point. That was that clinic had one of those, you know, the 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 fish that get that got away videos you know those those times when you'd really 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 wish you'd had a video camera running there was a a horse in that clinic who was um he was an irish cob uh black and white uh his name in fact his name was i think was tuxedo that's exactly right and he had he had his very novice owner tied around his 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 hoof as it were uh he had her completely bamboozled she had tried clicker training with him and he was one of those very very smart eager horses who became very demanding and you must clicker train me the all the time and and she had read i think she had the booklet so she had read the first couple of pages of the booklet gone out to the barn and gotten started and just made a total mess of things that she didn't really have enough information to be successful. And this horse was, she had been told by the barn owner that if she didn't stop that clicker training, she'd have to leave. So she turned up instead with him at Fiona's and Fiona, it's this perfect setup uh, where 
we could, he was in a, a small pen, but it was set up so that we could, as spectators, we could see him, we could see him. And he had a half door that we could work over. And, and the first time that I worked with him, because he was, a, let's get, this is how you start with clicker training. He was banging on the, the front of the this half door and he was so demanding and he wanted to touch the target and you get back here you human and play with me and it was just fascinating because I didn't pay any attention to that unwanted behavior and instead I kept you know offering him the target clicking and reinforcing and then I would give him a short break because we were following the put 20 treats into your pocket and when you run out the session is over and so we'd step away from him and I'd talk to the uh, audience and then I'd go back and the next time he was calmer and by the third time he had stopped banging on the door completely which was really astounding and then we sent him out and we'd worked with some of the other horses and we brought him back again uh, a little while later, and we worked him again, and he was just super. And then we sent him out again, and he went out to his paddock, and then we worked him again a little bit later. And and I think the fourth time that he came back in, his owner was in tears, absolutely sobbing, that she said the first time she went out to him, he just ignored her completely. He had his back turned to her, yeah. and he ignored her completely when she went out to get him, and she had to walk up and get him. And the second time, he kind of lifted his head and turned to look at her and let her walk up to him pretty easily. And the third time, was the third time, he came running up to the gate to be with her, and she'd never had that before. And it just... She couldn't believe the difference in her horse. And the difference in him was just staggering. And on the second, third day, I guess it would have been, we started working him out of his pen, and he locked on to me at Liberty absolutely perfectly, and out popped lateral flexions. It was astounding. What a neat, neat horse. He was. He was fabulous. He really was. And I was there missed the first two days right fortunately he was there for all five with the yes. owner so i saw his last three days and it was amazing and yeah. you had described how he at the start how he had come in and to see this transformation in this horse was quite quite astounding even over the last three days he improved so much leaps and bounds. I hadn't really meant to, t to share that story, but it just sort of popped into my head. And he was always one that I remember him so clearly. And oh, I wish I'd gotten him. I wish I'd videoed. So we went from from Fiona's to I started doing clinics at your place. And what I wish you would love for you to do is share the story of newbie because as many clinics as we've done together now, I never get tired of, so in, in the clinics for people who haven't been and don't know, the clinics are normally three days and Friday night before they start, the we gather as a group and, and, and have introductions and people share their, their background with horses and 
uh, with clicker training and we find out, I, I get a lot of information about what is it in particular that they're looking for and hoping that we cover in the clinic. And they'll introduce the horses that they're working with or talk about what brought them to clicker training. And always when we're doing the clinics together, you share the story of newbie. And as I say, as many times as I've heard you tell his story, I never I never get tired of it. And you haven't really met Dominique yet. So she also, it will be a, a new story for her. And it's a great way for Dominique to get to know you as well. Good. Okay. Well, I suppose I better start at the very beginning. I came quite late to the horse world, despite being a pony mad kid. I never had the opportunities or the facilities. And very long story short, I ended up with getting my first pony at almost 40 years of age. So rather mature for a first pony. <laughs> and she was a treasure. She was just an, an Irish draft pony cross and so easygoing and in complete ignorance with a book in one hand. And when I look back at it, on it now, I think, oh, God, forgive me, a lunge whip in the other hand. I started poor Misty and but she was fabulous. She was a treat. She never put a foot wrong. Perfect family pony. Some years later, so all of my children, three of them, rode Misty and competed on her and did pony club and all the rest of it and then outgrew her. And at that point, they kind of said, now, Mary, it's really time you took on Misty and we're going to move on. So my daughter, my eldest daughter, was moving from ponies to horses. So we went out to look for a horse for her and we'd heard about a dealer who had a five-year-old mare who had done some show jumping, which is exactly what she was looking for. A horse that had been started for a bit, had a bit of, a little bit of history, but wasn't too long in the tooth, as they say. So we went out to look at this mare and bless her, she was confirmationally awful and Ruth almost immediately said, no, this is this mare is not for me. And of course, being a dealer, he couldn't let us out of the yard. It was a horrible, horrible cold winter's day with sleet and snow. And we were up on the side of a hill in Kerry with the wind blasting and horizontal rain. And he brought us into this field, which was full of horses, most of which were very miserable looking. And we spotted this one really very handsome horse. And he came over to us when we offered him hay. He was skin and bone, really. He was extremely ribby. He was covered in rain scald. We kind of looked at one another and said, well, we can't leave him here. He's not going to make it. <laughs> and he came down into the yard. We had foolishly brought a horse box with us. Money changed hands. What we were told about him was that he was a full thoroughbred and that nothing had been done with him. Absolutely nothing. He was, you know, just been brought to the dealer and left out in the field. So we said grand. And we 
loaded him into the horse box and he was very quite weak and very easy and we were lucky. Money had changed hands, the horse box was closed, we were ready to move off and the dealer said to me, well he's a little bit ansty when you tighten the girth and I said, I beg your pardon, you told me this horse had done absolutely nothing. Ah sure you know he was tried a bit. Okay. At this stage, really, there was no going back. My daughter was absolutely, you know, thought this horse was gorgeous. He was a three-year-old. We brought him home. We put him out in a field with companion. And uh, the plan was to leave him, just, you know, go and talk to him on a daily basis and let him put on a bit of condition and treat his rain scald and all of that. And a week later, uh, my daughter's riding instructor said to her, I have a four year old horse that's absolutely perfect for you. He's (laughs) got parrot mouth. Yes, it never rains, but it pours. Yes, he's got parrot mouth. I can't really sell him to anyone. If you want to give me, you know, the price of his tack and rugs, he's yours. And I think he'd be perfect for you. He was a Irish sport horse. He was started, he was riding, he was jumping, he was really very handsome. And Ruth fell madly, deeply in love. And I was left with Newbie, as he was known, was called then and has remained <laughs> being called Newbie, gosh, 15 years on at least. Yes. So. Uh, again, as I was so new to the horse world compared to a lot of other people, I had started looking for a better way, if you like, to work with horses and had stumbled on natural horsemanship. So some months later, when Newbie was looking a lot better and clearly feeling a lot better, I decided it was time to start doing a bit more work with him other than just simply going up and rubbing him and talking to him. And so I started on the journey of getting him used to all sorts of grooming, handling, leading, and finally saddling. I put on a numna or saddle cloth. That was absolutely no problem. I had gotten him used to having things on his back, rolling off, falling on the ground, falling off his bum. I had sat on his bum (laughs) from railings and everything. So he was well used to all sorts of activity. Uh, But I one day I put the, the saddle cloth on, put the saddle on, which was not a problem. I was pretty sure it was a good fit because I had checked it all out. And then I tied up the girth slowly taking my time very gently. As soon as I tightened the girth, my lovely, quiet, calm, relaxed thoroughbred turned into a bucking bronco monster, as good as anything you'd see in the best rodeo going. And he took off around the arena and it took, oh, the best part of an hour until he was completely worn out and dripping with sweat before I could get near him. Wow. 
Yeah, right, I hear so that. I've, of course. I, as I say, I've heard that story before, and it's still every yeah. time. It's just astounding. Because normally, know. I mean, they'll I buck a few times and then they stop, but to buck for an hour. No. He just kept going. Talk about a poison cue. Absolutely, Dominique. He kept going and going and going. And if I tried to go near him, he just moved off and continued to buck and buck and buck. It was phenomenal. At the end of it, he was he just physically so he was exhausted. was a little bit antsy. Just yes. a little antsy, Dominique. Yes, exactly <laughs> right. Just a little antsy. So anyway, when he did finally, and I took off the saddle and, of course, wiped him down and put him back in his field and decided again the next day, OK, maybe there was a problem with the saddle fit. Maybe it wasn't as good as I thought. And I had a very soft bareback pad and I thought, you know what, I will just try that. So the next day he was calm, he was quiet, he led, he was groomed, all of the usual things, absolutely perfect. The one thing I had learned about him, although I was doing all this with a form of natural horsemanship, if I increase the pressure beyond you know, the very minimum. He just froze solidly and refused to do anything. So we had worked away on that and done really, really well with that. So again, I approached him with this approach and I put on the bareback pad and he was no bother. I slid it off his back. I slid it off his bum and then I went to tie the girth. And this time, I suppose he was tired after the previous day, about 40 to 45 minutes before I could get to near my horse. Wow. I know. And of course, the third day, I couldn't get near my horse in the field, ah. which, you know, from his point of view, is perfectly understandable. Here was this person who I thought I could trust and look what she did to me. So at that point, I was feeling very desperate, very upset, and I went hunting on the internet for some kind of a solution. And I found Alex's work and clicker training. And the rest, as they say, is history. History, <laughs> yes. Yeah, I s You know, it's just amazing how these moments when we're most desperate is when everything opens up. Yes. It, it pushes us to search and look for something else. And it's just these moments, they seem so devastating, but they are actually wonderful moments well, <laughs> when you look when you look later at them. You know, I know I certainly didn't think so at the time. I thought I, know, I had but to. If anyone is in a moment like that now, they should know that it's a great opportunity. Well, it is certainly a very good learning opportunity. And as Alex has said down the years to me, Newbie has been an incredible teacher. <laughs> yes, he has. It's always those challenging animals. Yes, always. It is. That make us grow. Yes, without a doubt. Without a doubt. Mm. Um, he has been phenomenal. And he is, without a doubt, responsible for my now being one of Alex's coaches and doing what I do. Um, day in day out really so newbie was horses. he was a he was a, a hard luck he's one of those horses where you would say if it weren't for bad luck 
you'd have no luck. Nice. So for several years, I, I was going over to your uh, to you in in Ireland, and part of the reason for having a clinic at your place was so that I could work with you and newbie. Yes. And I think we achieved yeah. that the first year. The first year we did. Yes. Yeah. And after that, it, he, there was always, newbie was, uh, there was the year of those horrible sarcoids. Yes. They were the size of golf balls. They were yeah, um, huge. Huge, and they were between his hind legs, so that right. every time he took a step, it, he was in pain. Um, were, were they were they anywhere near the girth? Would have been absolutely not. They were right no. up um, beside his sheath, and yeah. in fact, I didn't notice anything for a long time. But he was such a good horse, and we we had such a good relationship. He never refused to do anything, and he never was aggressive after that but he started um, nipping at my sleeve now he was really careful never to bite on me on my flesh and in fact if I was wearing a t-shirt that had no sleeves he would turn around and pull the front of my t-shirt hmm. and it was always that was his way of saying no and it was a while of him doing this when I really had a hard look and thought gosh there's absolutely something wrong with you and I couldn't see it for the longest time clearly well, it's hard it's a hard place yes <laughs> and then I was one day you know down looking at his feet for some reason and somehow looked up and there it was and clearly every time he took a step it was hurting mm. okay. so but he was very, very gentle in the way that he let me know. And he was very patient with me when I didn't get it for for a while. And uh, yes, so he has had issues. The first time he was terrific. He really was super good and did all the beautiful groundwork for, yes. for me with Alex. Yes. The second time, I think he had the sarcoids. The third time yes. he had managed to catch one of his legs in wire wrap it around a leg and was badly cut and couldn't take part the fourth time after that so before we move to the fourth time in fact we'll back up to the to the sarcoid time first because i think that's such an important lesson and and learning uh for people because whenever there's resistance Yes. Especially when you have a, or when you've got a change, a change in the behavior, there's almost invariably a physical reason behind it. Yeah. And that's that's been my experience in horse after horse after Absolutely. horse. Absolutely. That when we scratch below the surface, when you have sort of a yeah. a, a, a change in their in their behavior, uh, in a negative way, or you have, uh, you think you've you're asking for something in a perfectly reasonable way and you're just getting a consistent no back from the horse that when you scratch below the surface you will find this physical reason and he was so good and so polite I love the way you describe it at trying to tell you yeah 
that there was something wrong. He was. And and it's that, that learning to listen to these communications instead of to react to them the way so many of us have been trained to react to them if we've come from the traditional horse world of, oh, well, horses mustn't bite. Yeah. Biting is bad. We must punish the biting. To say, hmm, what's, what is this horse trying to communicate with these and, and what is very polite um, little you know, nudges at, and uh, grab at your at your sleeve is a very, very polite way for a horse to say, there's something bothering yeah, me here. Absolutely. And it was my first experience of that. And I really hadn't a clue what he was trying to tell me. And it took me time. <laughs> right. Now, and subsequently, I recognized very, very quickly that if he said no, and I learned to trust him very fast that if he said no, there was a very definite reason. 99% of the time it was a physical reason. And once or twice it was, you know, for example, for ridden work subsequently, it was, you know, I'm just not ready. I'm not warm enough. Let's go do some more groundwork for another few minutes. Right. And then he would happily line up to be ridden. Right. So I, I learned very quickly following that incident that when he said no, there was a reason. And, and this is, of course, especially true when you do positive reinforcement training because they so like to work. Oh, absolutely. That the no definitely means that something's wrong because it's not no to the work. Right. It's something else, unless, of course, you're being unclear and they don't understand what you're asking for. But generally, we know the problem that we have is to stop working, not to do <laughs> the right. work. Yes. That's right. Yeah. Usually they don't want to get away from the work. They don't want to stop the session. Um, so it's one of the big, big advantages of, of training this way is that when the horse says no, you definitely know that it's not about the work, there's something else. So in the, the second time where he wrapped the wire around his leg, you uh, produced one of my favorite videos, and I think it's in the online course. So you're, you had to hose this horrible wound. Oh, yes. And it was um, right across the inside of his hock, and that's a horrible place for a wound. And you have this video of newbie standing in front of the, the gate to his paddock where you've got, he's on a mat, so there's drainage there. And you've uh, just turned on the hose and you're uh, pointing the hose sort of under his belly. And newbie bows down and targets the hose the way some people when they teach a horse to bow they'll they'll use a carrot to lure the the horse into the bow and that's sort of what it looked like except it wasn't a carrot it was a hose <laughs> exactly and and so as he's targeting this water that's coming out of the hose and you clicked and and he stood up and while you're giving him his treat the the hose is the water is is on the wound on his hock and then he bows again and yes. um, you off. And so how did you teach that? What a great question. But you can hear from the music that you're going to have to wait until next time to hear the answer. So happy holidays, everyone. We'll pick up again next week with Mary's answer to this question. And until then, have fun with your training. <laughs>